Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Soulmates, welcome in, welcome in. Fox Soul's Black Report. Friday. Friday. <laughs> okay. December 16th. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicole Corte. We're honored to stand behind this desk every day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people. You know, we're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's uh, tap into what's uh, happening today. Aaron Dean, the former Fort Worth, Texas police officer found guilty of manslaughter in the 2019 shooting death of 28-year-old Atatiana Jefferson in her home. Now, Dean faces up to 20 years in prison for the conviction. Here's the very latest. We, the jury, find the defendant, Aaron York Dean, guilty of the offense of manslaughter. Former Fort Worth police officer Aaron Dean showed little emotion as Judge George Gallagher read Thursday's verdict. Guilty of manslaughter for the 2019 shooting death of Atatiana Jefferson. Outside of the courtroom, tears and outrage for some who were disappointed the conviction was not for murder. Others were more subdued with their reactions. I don't know what to say at this moment, honestly. Just trying to gather all the thoughts together. My spirit is not feeling good right now. Jefferson's siblings left the courtroom immediately, still under a gag order and unable to talk about the case. Witnesses and others directly involved in the case cannot talk until after sentencing. And while there was disappointment from some, others saw this conviction as a step forward. I've been here every day of this trial. And I, you know what, I applaud, I applaud uh, Ashley and um, Dale. They had a tough job, but they got something. And I got to, you know, explain to the community, something is better than nothing. Years ago, he wouldn't have never gotten tried. And if he did, he wouldn't have gotten convicted of any felony. So it's a small step, but it's a game for us. I think it's the appropriate conviction uh, charge of manslaughter. I didn't think it met the bar of murder. Uh, that is the intent, meaning he intended to kill her. He did kill her. And the jury found, in my opinion, that he was reckless and it caused the death of someone else. They didn't buy the argument that he was in fear of his life. Dean taken into custody Thursday afternoon, a new booking photo posted on the Tarrant County Jail's website. It took roughly 12 hours, over two days, for the jury to make their decision. Yesterday, the judge gave them the option to consider a lesser charge of manslaughter when they received their instructions. Former Dallas County DA Russell Wilson says they likely spent a lot of time deciding whether Dean's act was reckless versus intentional. I'm presuming during their deliberations, they focused very heavily on the body camera video as we anticipated they would. And then there were different interpretations of that. Friday morning, the jury meets again to determine Dean's sentence. Wilson says we should expect to hear from more witnesses describing Dean's character and experience as an officer, as well as the life and loss of Atatiana Jefferson. So I expect the debate, if you will, regarding uh, the appropriate sentence to be uh, nearly as intense as the trial. Indeed, activists say they're hoping the sentencing will send a message to other law enforcement officers and departments. There's a new federal lawsuit that alleges that prison guards in Alabama let a black inmate bake to death. Yeah, the 44-year-old Thomas Lee Rutledge was found on December 7th, 2020, with a body temperature of 109 degrees. The autopsy report details that the inmate was in his cell, sitting near the window of his cell, with his head face out the window, believed attempting to breathe and obtain cool or cold air. The 58-page complaint says that lawyers argue that William E. Donaldson Correctional Facility prison guards knew that the heating system, the, the, knew that the heating system uh, on the unit was faulty and had caused other men to die from extreme heat. Since the suit was filed, evidence from the boiler room has been destroyed. On September 22nd, 
2021, Rutledge's lawyers requested the boiler log, but prison officials objected and kept the records. The suit further alleges that an official claims that the records were destroyed in a flood caused by a burst water pipe. Now to Minneapolis, where an inmate has filed a lawsuit claiming that the county jail violated his medical privacy. Fox's Paul Bloom has the latest. I'm sorry, I don't have the opportunity to do that day over again. Derek Leake offered something of an apology for the deadly stabbing of Bobby Commodore on board this Metro Transit bus back in April. The Commodore family, though, having sat through Leake's second-degree murder trial, saw a cold-blooded premeditated attack in the evidence. I believe that the defendant recognized and sought harm and even killed my brother. In the coming days, Leake will be transported out of the Hennepin County Jail to serve his 30-year term in the state prison system. But in his wake, he's leaving behind this handwritten lawsuit the county will have to address. Leak claims he and other inmates have had their medical privacy rights, or what's known as HIPAA violated, in lockup in downtown Minneapolis. And he's asking for money, $25,000 in damages. Folks who are sitting in the Hennepin County Jail in the eyes of the law should be treated as closely as possible to folks who are outside. Leak claims on a couple of occasions, sheriff's staff announced on the in-house PA system something to the effect, quote, my Suboxone friends get to the front of the line when medication was handed out. Suboxone is a powerful controlled substance. Addicts may be prescribed for withdrawal symptoms and to wean them from opioids. Leak writes not only did it out his potential medical condition, it also put a target on his back as it would be a drug in high demand behind bars. Twin Cities trial attorney A.L. Brown, who's not involved in this matter at all, told me via Zoom Thursday even a convicted murderer like Leak appears to have a decent argument to make, at the very least to tighten up jail policies down the road. I'd be concerned about uh, an entity that has my health records, which is very personal information, um, talking casually about them. Uh, in an open space. That would be a problem. And that, it's a problem under the law. Brown went on to explain that the way Derek Leake framed his lawsuit will likely get it tossed out of court, but again believes that those allegations can be proven. They likely add up to a violation of the state's Health Records Act. The Hennepin County Sheriff's Office will not comment on any pending litigation. And to Louisiana now, where five officers face charges in the deadly arrest of Ronald Green after a grand jury indictment. The charges range from negligent homicide to malfeasance. Police initially blamed Green's death on a car crash after a high-speed chase, but the Associated Press later published a body cam video showing the officers beating, tasing, and dragging Green as he begged for mercy. These charges follow several investigations that looked into whether top brass can sealed evidence shown in that video. The Texas Attorney General's office reportedly asked for sweeping data on transgender people in the, his state. According to reports, Ken Paxton's office told DPS in June to put together a list of anyone who had changed their gender on their driver's license in the previous two years. The department responded by saying it could not put such a list together. Paxton's office did not comment on why it made the request. And the Oakland chapter of the NAACP says it supports calls for a recount in the Oakland mayor's race. The organization claims the city's ranked choice voting system confused many older voters and is blaming the county registrar's office for the confusion. Shang Tao cleared victory with 50% uh, 50.3% of the vote over second place Lauren Taylor. Alameda County does not conduct a recount under any circumstances, but candidates or other groups can pay for one. In a statement, the NAACP says, uh, didn't say it would fund a recount, but it would support one. Now, Taylor said he would not lead a recount effort himself. Nick Cordelai, I know this is your neck of the woods, the Bay Area. Uh, you're from uh, San Francisco, and with all the midterm talk, pre-talk about voter um, intimidation and all the other tactics happening, do you think this could be the case? Well, I mean, I, I doubt that there was a, a case of voter intimidation here. Uh, you know, a 53% win, you know, is is not a razor slim mm -hmm. uh, kind of win. Um, but the fact that the NAACP chapter in Oakland said that they are willing, 
uh, that they want a recount, um, but stop short of saying that they were willing to fund to a recount. Um, I think uh, their their claim might um, uh, get a bit more traction uh, if, in fact, they uh, were willing to fund it. And mm -hmm. so uh, we'll see what happens in the coming days. But a 53% win for mayor, um, you know, is you know a pretty healthy victory. Mm -hmm. We shall see. Well, now uh, many people are still shocked by the death of DJ and dancer Stephen Twitch Boss. He was the DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show for nearly a decade, and on Wednesday, he took his own life. Fox's LaMonica Peters joins us now after talking with mental health professionals about the alarming number of men who die by suicide each year and how we can help them. Because he's the kind of person that's such a light. He has an inspiring passion. You know, you would never realize behind all of that what was going on. For eight years, Stephen Boss, or Twitch, entertained millions on the Ellen DeGeneres show. But on Wednesday, he died by suicide at 40 years old. Boss rose to fame while competing on So You Think You Can Dance in 2008, ending as a runner-up. The CDC says men in the United States are 49% of the population, but make up nearly 80% of all suicides. Sean Barry is an associate therapist at Silicon Valley Therapy and Marriage Counseling. He says most men aren't socialized to cope with their feelings or talk about them, and the results can be devastating. In a nutshell, men don't have the support, encouragement, and skills to develop intimate relationships where they can be real and vulnerable. So they feel um, isolated, alone, and incapable of dealing with that emotional turmoil. Recent studies also show that black men in particular are dying by suicide at a higher rate than any other racial group of men. Bay Area psychologist Dr. Kathia Walters says issues of oppression, systemic racism, and generational trauma only compound the pressures that most men say they feel. Again, stigmas, right? I don't want to be seen as crazy. I don't want to be locked up. Right. And so I'm going to try to give you just enough that we can work with without going deep. Dr. Walter says these triggers can lead to feelings of shame, doubt and self-loathing. If it's not addressed, a person may think the only way to heal the pain is by self-harming or suicide. What I found to be helpful is to just provide that space. That feels safe. Right. And allow them to talk and Pretty soon and gradually, you know, they start going a little bit deeper. Suicide is the third leading cause of death for black males ages 15 to 24. If you'd like more information on suicide prevention or you simply need someone to talk to, you can dial up the national hotline at 988. LaMonica Peters, KTVU, Fox 2 News. And again, if you need help, that number is 988. This is a story that hits very close to home. As I've mentioned before, uh, I lost one of my brothers to suicide. Um, and, you know, the pain never goes away, um, you know, but uh, over time, it really helps to grow your compassion mm -hmm. for um, other uh, families mm -hmm. that um, uh, have that experience. Um, you know, you never really know what folks are going through. And so um, I take to heart some of the advice that was given in that piece that, you know, it's on all of us to be that safe space, um, you know, to, to allow folks to be vulnerable. Uh, and, you know, you never really know. I mean, a lot of people spend, you know, the rest of their lives trying to figure out, well, why somebody did that? How did they arrive at that conclusion? And going down that rabbit hole, you know, can, um, you know, be very uh, uh, off-putting uh, and, you know, can really disturb your healing process. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to think that, you know, this is the third leading cause of death for black men uh, uh, ages 15 to 24 in this, in this country, uh, this should be a call to action, you know, for so many folks in our community uh, to make sure that we're holding our black boys mm -hmm. uh, and, and black men close, close. Uh, because uh, uh, there's a lot out there you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that folks have to contend with and, you know, not having the tools to be able to express what you're feeling and experiencing can sometimes, uh, you know, lead 
uh, to tragedies uh, like what we saw with Twitch and what I experienced with my brother. Yeah, um, my husband experienced uh, something very similar to what you just shared, and thank you for being so transparent and sharing that uh, with us. And as folks are still trying to grapple with, um, you know, Twitch's um, demise, if you will, um, how do you go about you and your family, you and even I asked my husband this because you, everybody's asking for answers. They even with the Twitch situation, they want to know why, why, why. There's uh, reports out today that uh, he did leave a, a, a note, however ambiguous it was, but it still doesn't provide. Too many answers how do you come come to peace or, or at or I don't know if it's at odds or how do you resolve that's better um, knowing that you may never get answers why well I mean it, it may sound counterintuitive but I think you have to make peace with the fact that you may not ever really know why mm. you may not ever really know why and uh, that's hard to do uh, but you know part of what uh, allows for that peace process to begin mm -hmm. is demonstrating compassion for other people mm -hmm. uh, who find themselves having to uh, pick up the pieces after losing a loved one mm -hmm. uh, so suddenly or so tragically um, and also doing some of the self-work some of the healing that we all have to uh, to do uh, in order to move forward uh, those are just a few steps that have worked for me mm -hmm. you know but uh, make sure you consult uh, your uh, physician or therapist uh, to get the support that you need. Uh, one great way to start is by calling 988. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Appreciate thank that. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The CDC is urging a number of major cities to return to masking measures. Much of the New York and Los Angeles metropolitan areas are rated at high COVID-19 community transmission levels. Officials in New York are asking schools to return to indoor masking. Now, while authorities in Los Angeles are warning that indoor masking rules may have to return as cases rise. And as the CDC continues to report nationwide COVID-19 spikes, community organizations are reviving vaccination efforts with the all too familiar pop-up clinics. For our Houston area soulmates, the Loop Church on South Avenue Humble will hold a pop-up pop vaccination clinic this Sunday. And they'll be offering $25 gift cards while supplies last. You remember those uh, offerings as well. It's all a part of the Faith Health Vaccine Initiative funded by the CDC Foundation that brings faith and health by bringing uh, diverse faith leaders together to further the mission of reducing vaccine inequity. Now, according to the CDC, COVID-19 case rates and hospitalizations have increased by 56% over the past two weeks. We've been talking about that here. Uh, and uh, a high quality, well-fitting mask is the best protection against what health officials are calling a triple-demic, that being COVID-19, the flu, and RSV. And uh, moving on to another historic moment in black excellence as Harvard University announced that Claudine Gay will become its 30th president, making her the first black person and the second woman to lead the Ivy League school. Gay, who currently is a dean at the university and a democracy scholar, will take office July 1st of next year. She said, quote, I am absolutely humbled by the confidence that the governing board has placed in me. She also went on to say, I am also incredibly humbled by the prospect of succeeding uh, President Bacow and leading this incredible institution, end quote. A child of Haitian immigrants, Gay is regarded as a leading voice on the issue of American political participation. She also is the founding chair of Harvard's Inequality in America initiative, which studies issues like the effects of child poverty and deprivation on educational opportunities and American inequality from a global perspective. Congratulations. Brittany Griner has announced she plans to play for the WNBA next season. In an Instagram post this morning, she said she's grateful to be back in the U.S. and for all the support throughout the last year. Her comments come a week after her release from a Russian prison. After being freed in a high-level prisoner exchange, the WNBA star thanks President Joe Biden and says she knows the White House is committed to bringing back ex-Marine Paul Whelan. Griner said she plans to return to the Phoenix Mercury this upcoming season. She also 
offered to use her platform to help Biden bring home more prisoners. Yeah. Wow, this story just keeps getting better it and does. better. Uh, you know, she is uh, thrilled to be home, and, and so many folks are thrilled to have her home safe and sound. I know she was in San Antonio, I believe, mm -hmm. going through uh, sort of a psycho psychiatric uh, evaluation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been completed, and she's now home with her mm -hmm. family for the holidays. Mm -hmm. You know, just this is an incredible moment for our country. Um, you know, a lot of people have made a lot of hay about mm -hmm. the swap for a WNBA player for uh, the merchant of death. Mm -hmm. uh, well, she's an American, and we're glad she's home. Yeah, we are, and we just want to continue to, to pray for her and her mental health and her physical health, and it's going to be a time when she returns to the court. That's right. That is for sure. Can't, Go Brittany. Can't wait to see it. That's right. Still ahead, stepping away from the game to work on his mental health. Yeah, speaking of basketball, we'll tell you who this player is and why he is retiring at the the ripe old age of 22. We'll be right back. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. Justice Department announced this week that it has settled a discrimination lawsuit accusing an Alabama housing authority of steering residents to different low-income communities based on race. In 2020, the Justice Department filed a lawsuit accusing the defendants of steering black applicants away from four overwhelmingly white communities, instead directing them to two predominantly black communities. Now, according to Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark for the Civil Rights Division, racial steering is a, a patently unlawful practice that destabilizes communities, fuels racial tensions, and perpetuates modern-day racial segregation in communities across the country. Top DC public safety officials said this week that they are committed to implementing a gun violence reduction plan published earlier this year by an independent city agency following public pressure to bolster crime fighting efforts as shootings of juveniles soar. The plan includes 16 recommendations experts say would decrease violent crime in the near term through investment in public health and law enforcement strategies. The uptick in gunfire has proven especially dangerous for youths with, 16, with folks 16 and under, uh, with people under the age of 18, uh, with 16 people under the age of 18, excuse me, fatally shot so far this year, more than double compared to the same last year. And to Tennessee now, where a 15-year-old Memphis teenager is being hailed as a hero for her quick thinking after a classmate was shot. This happened back on November 30th as students at Kirby High School had just been dismissed. Shots were fired at a Sonic drive-in restaurant located about 500 yards away from the school. Siazaya uh, Hamilton led the shooting victim to a bench and called 911. She then removed her JROTC belt uh, tied it around the victim's leg, creating a tourniquet, and stayed with her friend until help arrived. Now, according to uh, reports, the victim was taken to a nearby hospital in critical condition, but was later updated to non-critical. Two 16-year-old boys were arrested in the case and charged with several crimes, including attempted first-degree murder and unlawful possession of a weapon. And, you know, what a traumatic experience, not only for that victim who happened to to be this young lady's friend, but for this young lady as well, um, who says that now she's having some problems sleeping, mm -hmm. and she attributes her quick action to her junior ROTC training, and has literally uh, saved this uh, young man's life. The victim was a, was a male, mm -hmm. black male. And when we think about the epidemic of gun violence in this country, and I think you know that from Washington D.C. to the story that we just read about in Tennessee, mm -hmm. uh, when we think about this epidemic of gun violence, I think we forget about not just the victims, but all of the survivors, mm -hmm. right? The people that, that are first responders that mm -hmm. show up to support them, well, they also experience trauma. Uh, and, you know, uh, this young uh, hero uh, is experiencing that. Uh, and so this holiday season, uh, soulmates, uh, let's all make sure that we're a safe place uh, and provide a safe space 
for the survivors of gun violence in our communities, in our families, um, you know, to be able to, to, you know, feel a little extra love this holiday season. Now on to 13% uh, of uh, Michigan's population. Uh, uh, we know that 13% of, of Michigan's population is black, but more than 40% of its homeless are people of color. Major cities like Detroit are rehabbing older buildings into apartments as a way to provide more affordable housing. Now the campaign to end homelessness reports uh, show that uh, four out of every 10 black or Latino renters struggle paying the rent month to month right in Michigan. Landlords evict single black mothers the most of any demographic. And that's why the Michigan State Housing Authority wants to break the cycle by earmarking millions of dollars for large scale eviction prevention programs and free legal representation for people in eviction cases. While Richmond school board members said it would be too expensive and disruptive, school officials about 20 miles away in Hopewell uh, have become the first Virginia district to adopt year-round schooling. Now, Richmond superintendent met opposition from teachers and parents, particularly among affluent families. Hopewell is much smaller in size, and teachers backing the change made it easier to build support in the community. In Hopewell's 4,000 student district, 91% of students are economically disadvantaged and 60% are black. Only one school was fully accredited by the state. Now, nationwide, a small number of districts have extended the academic year or changed to year-round school to address concerns about pandemic setbacks. NBA free agent guard Tyrell Terry announced his retirement this week from professional basketball in a post on his personal Instagram page. In the post, he wrote, quotes, today I decided to let go of the game that has formed a large part of my identity, something that has guided my path since I took my first steps. While I have achieved amazing accomplishments, created unforgettable memories, and made lifelong friends, I've also experienced some of the darkest times of my life. Mm to the point where instead of building me up, it began to destroy me. The number 31 pick in the 2020 NBA draft from the Mavericks cited anxiety as a key reason for walking away from the game at the age of 22. I think sometimes we forget that these athletes are very, very young. I mean, you come out mm -hmm. of college, you're about, what, 20, 21? And so they're on this huge stage. They're making a lot of money. A lot of people are at them for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. There's demands from the front office all the way down to your coaching staff and even demands from maybe your more seasoned uh, franchise player uh, uh, teammates, if you will. And I think we forget that uh, even though we don't condone some of the unfortunate circumstances that they find themselves in, we we forget that they're still growing up. That's right. Uh, in, in a sense. And that is a lot of responsibility, uh, especially when you think about uh, some of their backgrounds that that they're still a part of as mm -hmm. far as their upbringing and you know how family is. I can understand how this young man uh, has come to this conclusion. I think it very, is very brave of him to pull mm -hmm. up. I will say that in basketball, your money is guaranteed. So I think that that's a, that, that may be a, a factor involved. Um, but I, I get it. I get it. it's a brave decision. Yeah, and in addition to it being brave, what a powerful demonstration of, uh, a powerful demonstration of, of maturity. And self-care. Uh, a powerful demonstration of self-care, a yeah. powerful demonstration, you know, of putting oneself first, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, the anxiety apparently became unbearable for yeah. him. And, you know, I think, you know, for a lot of folks out there that may struggle with, you know, mental health issues, um, you know, this is an example of how, of what it can look like to put your mental health first. Put your, putting your mental health before the game, uh, I think there are a lot of other folks uh, that can learn a lot from Absolutely. him. Absolutely, we wish him the best. Absolutely. All right, we're going back to your neck of the woods. Up next, a community kitchen in Oakland, the Bay Baby, all right. feeding just everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll introduce you to the woman behind it all and the people it's impacting. When we return, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report.
Welcome back to your Friday Soulmates. We appreciate you joining us. And, and if you're doing just that, let's recap some of today's stop, uh, top stories. We start with Aaron Dean facing up to 20 years in prison for the conviction uh, of manslaughter in the 2019 shooting of 28-year-old Atatiana Jefferson in her home. His defense attorneys say Dean fired in self-defense, but prosecutors argued there was no evidence that he saw a gun in the woman's hand before firing through a bedroom window. Activists say they're hoping his sentencing will send a message to other law enforcement officers and to Louisiana, where five of their officers face charges in a deadly arrest of Ronald Green after a grand jury indictment. Now, the charges range from uh, negligent homicide to malfeasance. Uh, police initially blamed Green's death on a car uh, crash after a high speed chase. But the Associated Press later published body cam video showing the officers beating, tasing, and dragging Green as he begged for mercy. These charges follow several investigations that looked into whether top brass concealed evidence shown in that video. And to Texas now, where the Attorney General's office reportedly asked for a sweeping data on transgender people in the state. Now, according to reports, Ken Paxton's told uh, DPS in June to put together a list of anyone who had changed their gender on their driver's license in the two previous years. Now, the department responded by saying it could not put such a list together. Paxton's office did not comment on why it made this request. And uh, lastly, the CDC is urging a number of major cities returning uh, to return to uh, masking measures. Much of the New York and L.A. metro areas are rated at high COVID-19 community transportation transmission levels. Officials in New York are asking schools to return to indoor masking, while authorities in L.A. are warning that indoor masking rules may have to return as cases rise. The Cordelai, back to you. Thank you, Courtney. Now over the pond to the UK, where The Guardian is reporting more than half of Britain's black police officers and staff suffered racial incidents from colleagues in the past year. That's what the surveys found. Those affected were much more likely to feel like outsiders and to want to leave. And many believe that their bosses failed to punish wrongdoers. The survey was conducted for the National Police Chiefs Council as it struggles to address a race crisis facing British policing. Two thirds said that they had considered leaving policing with the most common reason for staying given by 40% wanting to fight for change from within. The National Urban League is concerned about underreporting in the FBI's latest hate crime report. Now, the organization made the announcement and President Mark Morial stated the continuous rise in hate crimes and the lack of timely data on these incidents put a whole put whole communities and its residents at risk. Now, the report shows that 64.8 percent of victims were targeted due to their race, ethnicity or ancestry, while 15.6 percent were targeted targeted due to sexual orientation. Of the uh, almost 7,000 hate crimes reported, 41% of them have been committed against the black community alone. All right, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones 1619 Project, it's coming to Hulu. The Disney Onyx Collective announced a January 26 premiere date for the six-part limited docuseries, an expansion of the 1619 Project. In keeping with the original project, the series seeks to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. This is according to Black Enterprise. Now, the series will be hosted by Nicole Hannah-Jones and is a Lionsgate production in association with uh, One Story Up Production. Uh, Harpo Films and the New York Times. Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. You can never have too much history. And that 1619 project has really uh, caused for folks to dig even deeper yeah. because there, there's talk uh, and, 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 and factual proof that the slaves were brought here even earlier than that. So the 1619 project is, is just the, the, the tip of the iceberg and it's just a, an incredible piece of work and for it to be now available even more on a, on a widespread um, platform and then 
and all of those folks, including Harpo uh, Productions involved, you can tell yeah. um, it, it took a minute, but folks are really beginning to tap in. And I really like that this is just another demonstration of resistance mm -hmm. because this project is happening at a time where we talk about this again and again and again on this on this program, uh, that there are anti-black history uh, legislation that is sweeping through the country, yeah. that are efforts uh, by governors. I think we just reported on uh, Governor uh, Youngkin of Virginia, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, looking to, you know, take uh, uh, Martin Luther King out of the curriculum and, and take other black history, cherry pick black history out of our history. And so I love that that Hulu and Lionsgate and Harpo and everybody has, has come together, the New York Times, yeah. to offer this really dynamic project uh, on their platform and so we can't wait here we can't wait to see yeah, it yeah and 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 we won't be denied our history is their history their history is our history this is and 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 the way this country came together everybody's history is is a part of what makes america it's just ours has been uh neglected and and thrown away and denied and it's time for us to to rise up and continue to claim it i love it well as uh dr my angel would say mm. you know and still we rise amen mm -hmm. Speaking of rising, let's uh, hit up the United Postal Service for rising up some of our best and brightest. They have announced its 46th stamp in the Black Heritage series. The new postage design honors American author Ernest J. Gaines, best known for the novels, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman and A Lesson Before Dying. That was a that was a tough, heavy read. My goodness. Gaines drew from his childhood as the son of sharecroppers on a Louisiana plantation to explore the untold stories of rural African-Americans, adding a vital African-American voice to American literature. Ernest J. Gaines brought worldwide attention to generations of men and women who asserted their own dignity in the face of racial oppression and violence. Now, the new stamp will be issued on November the 23rd of this coming new year. Ally Financial has teamed up with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to award select HBCU students with resources to pursue entrepreneurial goals. The team with the best business solution and presentation wins the entire competition. Each first place team member receives $20,000 in scholarship funds, a guaranteed internship, offer at Ally and plenty of other prizes and swag. Mm -hmm. Second place winners are awarded $10,000 and $5,000 uh, per third place team member. Now, uh, this year's participating HBCUs are Alabama State University, Fisk University, Grambling State University, and Southern University. The competition <laughs> began in 2019 and has allowed Ally to employ 36 participants as interns. The internships have resulted in 12 students becoming full-time employees at the company. All right, let's go to the Bay as a nonprofit found a new way to feed the homeless and others in need this holiday season. Community Kitchens trained volunteers to become home chefs and they're cooking up quite the impact for that community. Fox's Kimberly has the story. Parul Patel cooks for the homeless and those in need twice a month. She's among dozens of volunteers who participate in Community Kitchen's Home Chef program. I just wanted to help with food insecurity, um, hunger, and um, just do it at a community level. What are you building, baby? Patel is a mother of two young children and works part-time, but wanted to give back. She buys food out of her own pocket and cooks the hot meals for the program. Patel says it's rewarding. This just felt more personable, um, using our own ingredients, um, our own resources, and then being able to pick, like, the meals that we want to provide. Community Kitchens, a nonprofit, says a portion of a $400,000 grant from Kaiser Permanente funds the training of the home chefs and supplies the packaging for the meals. A way to be able to give some structure to people that want to volunteer and maybe can't necessarily like go out and, you know, on site to somewhere, but they really love to cook. And we're really happy that there was like this infrastructure that we created. This Home Chef program is year round and ongoing. Each volunteer is also responsible for delivering the meals to one of six refrigerators located in various neighborhoods in Oakland. One refrigerator accessible by the public is located in East Oakland. Neighbors say it's much needed. It's gonna keep you from having to go steal for one, you know what I'm saying? Because 
you got help. This man tells me he lost his job a few months ago and is on the verge of becoming homeless. He says he's gotten many hot meals from this refrigerator. The food they put in there be good food. It don't be no garbage. It be some nice stuff in here. It's a wonderful thing, you know, to have people doing stuff like that for, for our community, you know. It's a lot of people sleeping out here in the streets right now, so. For Patel, serving the community is nourishing. Just knowing that people are in need of food, especially with inflation now as well. In Oakland, Amber Lee, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Organizers said volunteers prepare and deliver meals to the public refrigerators three to four times a week. And that food is looking mighty good right about now because uh, for us, it is just about dinner time. It's just about <laughs> dinner time. And that's the Bay Area spirit that I, I remember, see. right? I mean, just the spirit of community. That's mm -hmm. what I remember, uh, you know, growing up there. And uh, it was great to see Amber Lee uh, deliver that report. Indeed. Amber Lee was a reporter at KTVU uh, when I was when an was intern at KTVU many years ago. And, and, so. and speaking of being one of the Bay's uh, favorite sons, you are doing some great things. And so you're going to make a, a quick departure. Yes. And I'm going to wrap up the rest of the show. That's Tell right. us a little bit about it before you go catch this flight. You're going to handle the rest of the yeah. show. Uh, I'm off to Washington, D.C. with our producer, Aaron Amos. Uh, we have an exclusive interview with White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. And so Ooh. we're looking forward to bringing that back to you, soulmates, uh, next week. Uh, but uh, uh, Right now, we're on our way to Washington, D.C. <laughs> right. Well, uh, safe travels, Thank traveling you. mercy, Thank and you. we can't wait to see and hear all about it. Absolutely. All right. Coming up, Nipsey Hussle's marathon continues with a new college course, and her steals the stage in Beauty and the Beast Live. That's coming up. Foxo's Black Report will be right back. Go on and catch that flight, boy. You better go. <laughs> Welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. Let's move over to some entertainment news as Trevor Noah will host the Grammy Awards for a third executive, uh, consecutive rather, year. He will also serve as the show's producer. Now, the 65th Grammy Awards is set for February 5th with Beyonce leading the way with nine nominations. Rapper Kendrick Lamar follows closely behind with eight nominations. Noah recently, you may have heard this, ended his run as host of Comedy Central's uh, the Daily Show after seven years. Nipsey Hussle's legacy will carry on in the form of education thanks to an official college course created in his honor. Loyola Marymount University, the same school where Hussle served as adjunct professor, I didn't know that, is set to introduce the Marathon Continues Building Brand Through Culture. Inside their business school, Hustle's longtime business partner, David Gross, announced the new course on IG. The new class will focus on brand building strategies and tactics that are motivated and driven through cultural influence. Students can expect weekly guest lectures by some of the most influential people in the music and entertainment industry. It is good to see his legacy being carried on. He was very passionate about that. All right, Beyonce's at it again. Beyonce's Parkwood is teaming up with Amazon Music for a special event called Club Renaissance. The two-night event will take place at an undisclosed location in LA this weekend. Now, while details are still unclear, at least one part of the programming appears to be a playback of Beyonce's latest album, Renaissance, in spatial audio. Now, I had to look that up, and what it really is is like uh, surround sound on steroids, like 3D audio, so that should be pretty cool. Now, tickets to Club Renaissance were made available for free to fans on Thursday and limited to one person, uh, one per person, and you had to be 21 uh, to get those tickets. Now, the location of the venue will be revealed to guests prior to the first event. And as said, uh, Beyonce is always up to something. Now, if you can't catch this event uh, in L.A. this weekend, you might be able to catch Bay as she is set to go on the Renaissance tour uh, coming up uh, summer of 2023. All right, Dave Chappelle's attacker has been sentenced to nearly 300 days in a county jail. 24-year-old Isaiah Lee was charged with misdemeanor battery and entering a restricted area during a live performance by the comedian last May at the Netflix is a Joke Festival. 
Lee is currently behind bars for another incident in which he's accused of stabbing his roommate back in the December, back in December of 2021. And speaking of Netflix, they have announced that Tyler Perry's next movie from them or for them will uh, uh, six triple eight will be based on the true story of World War II's only all black female unit, the 688th Battalion. Get it? The 688th Battalion uh, went through a three-year backlog of undelivered mail and delivered it to American soldiers who were uh, from home, away from home. Now, the 855, 855 black women who were a part of this battalion performed the job while facing discrimination and many other obstacles that blacks had to endure during that time period. They had a motto, no mail, low morale that they use to fulfill their promise of delivering, get this, 17 million pieces of mail. Big ups to Tyler Perry for uh, bringing this uh, film to our attention, and we're looking forward to checking that out on Netflix. All right, the past March, President Joe Biden presented that particular battalion with the Medal of Honor. And viewers were enchanted by the portrayal of Bookworm Belle by her on Thursday's broadcast of Beauty and the Beast Live. Were you able to check it out? Now, uh, celebrities celebrated the 30th an uh, anniversary of its historic Oscar nomination. The two-hour live show expertly blended animation from the 1991 Disney animated film with live action songs featuring 25-year-old Her as Belle and Josh Groban as Beast while also including some never-before-seen footage. Grammy-winning singer Her showed her range as an entertainer as she also played electric guitar during the star-studded special that included contributions from David Allen Greer, who happens to be a Detroiter. All right, still ahead, it is, uh, is it just me or are holiday gifts getting a little bit harder to buy? I know they're expensive, especially with folks trying to watch their wallets this holiday season. We'll discuss all of this after the break. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be right back. Hey, so mates, welcome back. As you can see, I'm a little solo here. My partner, Nee Cordelai Corte, has a date with the White House, and he had to get an early start on the weekend. So we wish him the best and can't wait uh, to see uh, that particular report. So let us take you, soulmates, to the site of a historic anti-slavery meeting house and former Underground Railroad, state, railroad Station uh, that was at risk of redevelopment. Now, advocates of Abolition Hall and the 10.45 acre property can rest ashore. Local county and state leaders in Philly came together inside Abolition Hall to celebrate the monumentous occasion of preserving this significant landmark and a huge part of our history. Fox's Jennifer Lee has the details. Abolition Hall was once a major stop along the Underground Railroad. It is the legacy of those who at great risk provided shelter and safety within these very walls. In recent years, this historic landmark was at risk of redevelopment into townhouses. But now supporters can rest assured local, state and federal leaders say this property will be protected for generations to come. Well, back in 1856, George Corson and others here at Plymouth Meeting realized that black lives matter. They put their lives on the line, they opened up their homes. The White Marsh Township and White Marsh Art Center acquired the property in November. Community leaders say in huge part thanks to a $2 million grant from the Carabots Foundation. Very proud to be here today on behalf of my husband and my family. Thank you very much. The Arts Center will make this their new center of operations, providing an artistic experience for people of all means and all abilities. It's extraordinary because we have an opportunity for the past to truly inform us as we move forward. Famous abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass and Harriet Beecher Stowe all made stops here at Abolition Hall, which could accommodate up to 200 visitors at a time. To seek refuge, to be safe, to be secure, to gather themselves and to then further their path, further their journey towards freedom. 
The Carabots family was presented with a key to White Marsh Township. The chair of the Board of Supervisors, Laura Boyle Nestor, says by fate, the gift is being honored on a significant date from 157 years ago. So on December 6th, 1865, the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution officially ending the institution of slavery was ratified. In Plymouth meeting, Jennifer Lee, Fox 29 News. Our thanks to Jennifer. Great story there. White Marsh Township presented the Karabats family with a key to the township, as you saw there, as a token of their appreciation. And this is a story that I'm excited about as we move now into Black Excellence. Alta Beauty, the nation's largest beauty retailer, names Kim Adams as its first vice president of diversity, equity, inclusion, and talent acquisition. Adams will be responsible for leading the vision and strategy while building synergies across the company's hiring and pipeline practices. She believes her work is purposeful and personal and finds it an honor to collaborate with colleagues to create a meaningful impact for the community, the industry, and the world. Prior to joining Alta Beauty, Kim served at the senior level with companies like Papa John's, Equifax, Coca-Cola, Cox Automotive, and Marsh Inc. She is also a proud and active member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So congratulations to my divine nine sister. All righty, you know it's holiday time and we're trying to figure all figure it all out. I was a little late to work today because one of my Christmas packages come that I had to sign for. As I say that there's a new poll saying Americans say holiday gifts are harder to afford. More than half of U.S. adults say it's harder to afford holiday gifts this year. Now, according to this particular research, 69 percent of Americans say they have seen higher prices for holiday gifts. No kidding. In recent months up from 58% last year. 57% say it has been harder to afford the things they want to give. That's a dramatic increase from 40% one year ago. Price increases have especially impacted lower income shoppers. Two thirds of Americans and households earning less than $50,000 annually say they've had a harder time affording gifts and holiday meals this year as we definitely, definitely experienced during the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Now we're moving into Christmas and as myself and Nick Cordelai have been saying, you know, maybe it's time to go back to gift giving from the heart. Maybe it's something that you do with your hands. Uh, maybe uh, the gift could be something like a, a card, something a little bit more simpler. But I think the lesson here is not to go beyond your means and not to stress yourself uh, and get back to maybe the, the reason for the season. And we're just hoping that your holiday season will be as uh, plentiful and as blessed as it can possibly be. I want to thank you so much for joining us on uh, today's uh, Black Report. I appreciate you so much. We'll catch up with the Nick and that White House visit uh, come Monday. Till then, have a fantastic, safe weekend. I'm Courtney Hicks. Until then, as we always say, stay lifted.